Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Catlin. And welcome to the The How How to to Love Love Me podcast. podcast. Well, hello and welcome, everybody. Welcome to another episode, guys. Welcome to another episode of How to Love Me, the podcast where we talk about mental health and relationships. Specifically our relationship. No, specifically their relationship. You're completely wrong. Spencer and Becky, (laughs) hello. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to the How to Love Me podcast, guys. We're happy to be here. Don't lie. Um, <laughs> don't lie. I got coffee. I'm okay. <laughs> oh, you have coffee. I didn't want to take you away from another hike. So, you know, I wanted to make sure that, you know, <laughs> try to be welcoming. My coffee's heated, actually. It's on one of these heat pads. So I'm Ooh, doubly prepared. Fancy. That is. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So, not to get off topic, but do you need a specific mug for that? I do not. Ooh. But you can just use like any old I mug. Have well, I'll be honest, a mug that can pour into the Keurig effectively, because some will spill and dribble. you got to fill it with water and then dump into the Keurig. This one works really well for that. So that's the kind of mug I use, and it works gotcha. for the pad as well. Oh, hmm. perfect. Awesome. Totally awesome. Starting topic, with straight yeah. facts. Straight facts. <laughs> straight facts. Yeah. We're going right to the heart of it, people. <laughs> you want to know coffee heating and proper temperatures? We got you covered. Yeah. As I almost choke and die. Okay, this is starting strong. <laughs> yeah, well, great start. Honestly, the reason he has that is because Mr. Mr. Time Management here will go into the house and microwave his drink probably 50,000 times throughout the day. So this prevents some of that. Yes, it's time saver. Yeah, it yeah, makes sense. Smart, it smart. makes sense. A to-go mug would also probably help. Mm-hmm. That would probably make a difference. No, not good enough. Not enough. Not enough of a difference. It's got to be... <laughs> Perfect temperature. Well, and that's why you have your heating plate. So, I mean, obviously, we need to start introducing you because people might know you, know us. Hopefully, they do. Otherwise, if they're listening to this, hopefully they do. Otherwise, (coughs) why are you listening to us? Yeah. Uh, But we've obviously mentioned Spencer quite a few times. Um, Also known as servant. servant. Yep. Um, Good friend of mine, and obviously. We know each other for a little bit, and we've kind of uh, we've communicated quite a bit about a lot of this stuff. Uh, and then there's also the all star that is Becky, um, because you know behind every great man there's an even better woman, so they say. Mm-hmm. That's the expression. That is the truth. See yep. facts again. Yep. Yeah, straight facts. facts. Straight to the facts. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I'm I'm gonna spill off a couple things, Spencer. Um, stop me if I've fluffed you up too much or if I'm completely wrong. But um, I guess to describe you as you know, kind of what you do. You're a recording artist. You're a writer. You're a composer. You're a producer. Cinematographer. A director. A video producer. Am I missing anything? Pain in the ass. Oh, and the most important, <laughs> and the most important, a father of three. That too. Did you mention author? Uh, I did oh, say writer. He said writer. Oh, okay, all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess I, okay. I saw. But no, I should say author because you are a published author, are you not? Truly, yes, I am. Yes, I am you officially are. a published author, yeah. But no, so, I thought that that covers basically everything. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, so. what did he miss? Yeah, it's a lot of hats. <laughs> It, it can be, yeah. And I mean, obviously, one of the biggest things I think I enjoy of your work is obviously your rapping as servant. I think that's fantastic. 
So, I mean, that's, I've said it a bunch of times and we've talked about your music far too many times to, yeah, we brought, uh, we brought it up quite a bit already. Oh, I love that. It's, it's (laughs) nice to see it connect with people. That's partly why I do it. And then there's solely why I do it. All right. I'm done talking about you, Spencer. Then there's Becky, the important one. First off, I mean, I do believe, correct me if I'm wrong. You're, you're a physiotherapist, right? Yes. Yes. I and prefer physioterrorist, but Ooh, I like that. That's even it's more better. more accurate, and but I've never heard that joke before. <laughs> just torture. You just you just now, heard my only physio joke, by the way. I'm done. That is awesome. Okay, well, I mean I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. I guess we'll talk to you next <laughs> week. <laughs> so um I would also say now you're kind of a videographer working with I, Spencer now. I do a lot of the video stuff. If yeah. he's actually in any scene, I'm the one usually usually behind the camera. Yeah, like ninety nine percent of the time, she films if I'm on screen. And that's kind of where we first wanted to kind of lead into it because Spencer's has this big thing that he does. I mean, obviously, Becky, you're again being an all star mom and physiotherapist, and then now you're getting in this videography stuff. Did you ever actually want to get into it? It's actually a lot of fun. I don't think I would ever get into it if it wasn't for Spencer. But because yeah. I do, I do have a creative side that I dibble and dabble in certain things. But I, I never really have time to focus in things like Spencer does. Well, you did photography when we had met. Like you had a hobby of photography, a bit of Photoshop. You messed around, and so she has a sense of composition. And I think from a practical side of things, when you have kids, and it comes to finding time away from them so you can work on projects. You know, like my parents would come over and watch the kids or something like that. Really, it's just the two of us. So organizing a group of people, which can happen on a shoot, it's just it's a lot more work. So it's like, man, Becky, if you could be good at this, this would save a lot of time. It would be very practical. And hopefully it's something we could do together and enjoy. And so if she didn't have the right creative proclivities, I don't think I would have thrust it onto her. You know, I wouldn't have. That's a weird thing to say. No, no, no. I think I think that's very descriptive for sure. Yeah, yeah, because I, I enjoy thrusting it onto her. Okay, I, we gotta we gotta express this. <laughs> well, I mean, when you put it like that, uh, yeah. you do you know have three I mean. kids. <sighs> yeah, we've yeah. done it a few times, I guess. Um, at least three, at least. At least three times. Um, three and a half, really. No, just kidding. Um, I think the uh, the idea of her being able to take on the videography and do it competently was is certainly important to me, and I think that as you guys have seen the work she's definitely been getting better and better because it's not just me being like, oh, film it exactly this way. I mean, I can get a little bit picky sometimes, but she also brings ideas to the table. And and that's what I want to get into Mm -hmm. right there. Because, I mean, that's something – I mean – Doing this part of the thing, like doing the podcast, doing this video, sound recording, this is stuff that I've done in the past, but Kelly has not, never, ever touched it. No, I never had any experience in any of this stuff. He just brought me into it. Yeah, and she's become a part of it, and it's become a blessing and a curse at times because we can be perfectionists, and it's really hard to critique somebody that you love and appreciate and will make your life absolutely miserable if you upset them. (laughs) Oh, yeah, tell we can relate, right? Oh yeah. I'm very good at giving critique. Yeah. <laughs> Becky has a, has the gift for criticism. She's so, really good at that. But it is then, a challenge. But go on. So getting into that and saying that Becky critiques now, does as she come to the point now where she's telling you what you need to do? I mean, when you guys are How filming you the music that? video. 
Becky, do you have the foresight well, I try now to that you're just like, lay it as it is? He usually has the ideas when it comes to like what we're shooting, but I will give advice in terms of like, have you thought about it this way? Have you thought about having scenes like this? Because this is this and this is that, and this will come off this way, which is what you're looking for in a scene. And then it gives him time to think about it. Yeah, I'm usually... I mean, I need to verbally process. And so one of the big things for us is that if I, I'm starting to come to the idea of a music video, and I'm like, ah, oh, I want to involve something like this and that. And I'm often talking to Becky, bouncing it off of her. Um, and I think we've learned a bit of yin and yang. She's learning how to not be too critical of things off the hop because, you know, when ideas are in their infancy, if you if you destroy them too soon, they, they can't grow. Um, so she's learning to be like maybe less critical sometimes, but she's also inserting a lot of her own ideas. And I don't always take every idea, right? Like no one would, but she has sometimes really great ideas that it's like, wow, this is going to add if I can pull it off right. And then, yeah, we just sort of let these things build, these conversations get a little bit more detailed. And then on the day of the shoot as well, um, I don't often storyboard things not often anyway, where it's like, I need this exact shot. I maybe have certain ideas, but we might run it my way. And then she'll be like, okay, I really want to take it this way. And sometimes that isn't the shot I use. And sometimes it is the shot I use because it was better than what I had conceived as well. So hmm. it's a bit of trust that we've had to develop with each other for sure. Well, I feel like it was probably more building patience I mean, I know for us working together, it can get uh, somewhat trying at a times. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, we can get a little frustrated. What have been the other. tough spots for you guys? Uh, I think for us is vision. So, And this is kind of where I want to lead into because as you who writes the music, creates a vision kind of storyboard in your head of this music video, I do the same thing for kind of like what we do for our promos and stuff. So I'll spend, you know, a couple days building this promo really like it love like and there'd be this one part that i just spent extra time on and i really like this one transition i did and she'll come in rip it apart and that one transition is the one thing i have to delete yeah it's the one thing she hates yeah. the most kill your darling most effort <laughs> exactly kill my love my first firstborn yeah basically yeah yeah sorry not sorry it's what i'm good at i don't know what to tell you yeah but i mean at the end we That's end up meeting halfway usually yeah generally generally speaking i mean it's it's when we do things together it generally is you're kind of the idea man you come up with all of these great ideas and then i kind of critique and tweak things a little bit to kind of get like that finished product yeah i would describe her as a professional critiquer yeah yeah becky yeah she and becky yeah. have that in common <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a, an interesting hurdle for couples to get over because i mean i no, at the start for Becky critiquing my work, like she's not a necessarily a massively negative person. That's not who she is, but she's very good at picking out things that are wrong or things that she feels are wrong. But I mean, that's my job though, too, right? As a physiotherapist, I'm constantly critiquing people every time they come in to make them better. Yeah. We'll be like driving down the road and someone will be running on the sidewalk and she'll be like, Guy's got a gate problem. Should be doing this more, or something. Like, she'll just pick that apart. Like, yeah, it's it's sort of. Uh, it feels like her personality and the nature of her work um, go hand in hand. But when it comes off as a creative person, 
Like what I'm looking for is a cheerleader in some aspect, in certain stages, right? I've like started a new song. I, I've got it together. I'm really excited about it. What I really want is for someone to listen to it at this stage and be like, heck yeah, you're kicking ass. This is great, man. I'm so excited about it. And Becky isn't exactly like an enthusiastic person <laughs> when it comes to that sort of stuff. And so at the start, I think I felt a bit hurt because it was like, oh, she doesn't care. Or she does. She's not excited about what I do, but she exists in a sort of different world. And I've learned the utility of her feedback over time. So we've learned, you know, I'm not going to show her things that I don't feel like are polished a bit. Like I, I rarely show her things that are not finished. Um, and I'm like that more with everybody in general is I wait till I've got the draft done and then I might show for feedback. And I'm also more specific for what kind of feedback I'm looking for. And I've learned that she's attacking the project very often and not attacking me. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's important. And it's useful to have someone like that in your life. If you are a creative person, um, because they are going to help you level up. And there are so many times, so many examples of work that I've done that she has picked out that one thing that I've gone, fuck, you know, like, yeah, I got to get that out or I got to change the narrative style here. I got to do that because I know that it's better, but you know, timing is important too. And I, I think you've worked on your delivery too. Like, you're not just like, this sucks. This sucks over here. This sucks, especially like you have developed your tact to some degree, would you say? Yeah. I mean, I, I get to know what works better for you. Right. So, I mean, even like giving you the few positives, like that whole technique of here's a positive, there's a positive, but there's a negative. Mm-hmm. Definitely yeah. works way better with you than just going right into the negatives. Yeah. And also you got to learn to not care a bit. You know what I mean? Like you don't, you might want to silence your phone. Um, you don't want to <laughs> care too much about people's thoughts are of the work period. See, Cause the work is not you. Now, one of the things you said was, um, that showing it at an early stage, I have found that being very hard. Cause like I get my final vision, you know, the final view of what I want the, the finished polished product to look like. And I know what progress I have to make starting from scratch. So when you show somebody how much work you've done, let's say halfway through, it really isn't that much to show. But to us, the 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 ones who envisioned it and know where we're going with it, that's our baby. Like we've seen this grow from nothing. So I, I think that's where mm. I struggle with it a lot too, is because it's like, I look what I did. Okay, I, I've spent like three days doing this. Look at this. But I don't Are like you this. Done yet? Yeah. yeah. Are you going to change this? I don't like, I'm not a big fan of how you did this. Yeah. What is up with this? I yeah. like, that doesn't work. No, no, yeah. this is just halfway through and yeah. it's, it kills me. Yeah. Oh, well, I could work on my delivery a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I find it's all about Becky. the delivery. Like mm-hmm. I know, like I, I've, I've changed quite a bit and like if well, he'll go through the same process and he'll show me something like halfway through and it's like, Oh, I really, really like that. Have you thought about doing it this way? Because I'm just thinking that maybe this might come off better for this audience. What are your thoughts? Wow. But that's the very thing tactful. is. Yes, very tactful. I'm going to have to take that. It's good. It's good. Notes. Yeah. Tact is good. But the other thing, too, is that Kat and I, let's say, just to speak for us both, you know, we're smart, right? Like everybody here is smart. And so when I can see Becky is changing her tact when she's, you know, 
intellectually or eloquently trying to state something in a critique, I know that what she's basically doing is taking this alien of this sucks that's burst out of her stomach and trying to put a fancy hat on it for me. She has this guttural reaction and then she's trying to clear it up. And I've learned to, it's, it's more, it's less important about how she says it. It's better for me to focus on, I guess, why she's saying it. Yeah. Like, if, if I can sand off the edges in my brain without making her worry too much about it, like it's helpful, but it's not the full picture because then even if she is spitting criticism out and it's sandwiched really well and it's nice, um, like we still kind of know that they're just sort of sugarcoating it a bit, you know? Yeah. And it's more about toughening up and being like, okay, you're pre- like, you're my wife and what you say is ma- what you say matters. But you could be dead wrong about some things sometimes, and I've got to go on my instincts. And then other times, I got to learn to listen. But that feedback is completely subjective, or sorry, it's completely separate from my worth as an individual. Yeah, absolutely. Does that makes sense. Yeah, yeah it makes perfect sense. <laughs> definitely, definitely. But like I say, I, I the, my biggest struggle and the thing that I've had to jump over is definitely like me taking it way too personally because I worked so yeah. hard at this. Yeah, and I mean, I'm still new to this. But it's also nice to know because, I mean, for us, we've only been together for two years. I mean, how long have you guys been together now? I was in the crib and she no, snatched me up. 10 years. 10 years. <laughs> yeah, I figured it was a decade. I didn't want to claim too much, so. Yeah, about a decade. Yeah. I was a teenager when I met her, though. I was 19. She was a full-grown woman. Okay, that, that has <laughs> nothing to do with what I... Anyway, <laughs> quit bragging, Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> keep going <laughs> but yeah i mean that that's it goes to show like we're still learning this you know yep. even you guys also you guys have 10 years well let's say eight more years of experience in a relationship than we do and and kind of working together and, and mm-hmm. living together and you know i find it funny that with becky getting into this now that we're both kind of learning the same thing doesn't matter when you're how long mm-hmm. your relationship's been together, mm-hmm. it's more to do with what you're challenging as a couple. Yeah, I agree yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. I, I think agree. that you you got to have something you're working together on and it's about uh, capitalizing on the person's strengths and filling in for their weakness and vice versa. So, you know, mm-hmm. she's, you know, Kelly and, and Becky, like they, they're really good at, let's say, criticism. That's a vital strength. That is going to help us level up. I wouldn't call it vital, but, but so yeah, is okay. the idea bringing. <laughs> <laughs> but but so is the idea bringing, right? So is the vision, and so is the like the enthusiasm. That's also vital, and so it's got to be reciprocal. Becky has to appreciate what I'm bringing and articulate that, however she can best muster, so that I see she values what I'm doing, and I got to value what she's doing, and yeah, not take it too personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and we can lash out too. And and I hope that you guys understand that we may lash out and we don't mean it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I try not to take any of that personally. <laughs> try not to. Sometimes easier said than done, but it happens. Right? Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you care when I lash out? Lash out about what? Like when I'm upset and pouty or something. 
I do. I mean, you get more accustomed to it as the years go by in a marriage that you realize the degree of like, oh, he's just pouting in the corner. He'll be fine. Versus the difference between you actually being really upset about something. Like you just learn that whole process. So. Yeah. It's, you know, you're never attracted to someone who's like a perfect fit in well, a way. And honestly, everyone's got flaws. It's and, nice to be in a relationship where you're not dating yourself. Right. It's good to be in a relationship where the person has some differences, because to me, that's how you generate the most growth for yourself and for your relationship. If you were the same person, I mean, I would probably eventually get bored because there's no growth. There's no challenge. There's no triumphs. There's no. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a great point. That's a really great that point. It, basically two kinds of relationships. There's the kind where, yeah, the people are super simpatico and everything. They hardly ever fight. Everything is hunky-dory, right? They're both interested in the same things. And then there's the vast majority of other relationships where there are um, intrinsic differences in interest. There's intrinsic differences in communication styles, in opinion, in, in value to some extent as well. And those are the ones which like, it's almost like it's a more combative form of relationship and I don't mean that as a negative thing because we're not like fighting all the time or anything like that. It's just that steel really does sharpen steel. And you, if you're pushed to your extremes, you're going to learn more about who you are. And if you're in a comfort, cozy relationship where that person doesn't um, oppose you on much, then you're not forced to grow, right? Like you're you're both just in the lukewarm bath water together. Strange yeah. image, but it works. <laughs> it works. Yeah, yeah, thanks for that visual. Not sure I needed Thank that you. today, but I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some people say that there's a big a separation between a conversation and an argument. And in my opinion, I think there's a very fine line between an argument and a good conversation. And I think the only difference is emotion. I mean, you should be able to have the same conversation that, like you should be able to talk about anything with your partner and have that genuine conversation and be almost to the borderline of combatantness. Cause I mean, that's part of that pushing each other and but then growing. That's where that understanding comes into understanding and respect. Cause you have yeah. mutual, you have mutual respect for each other. You're not going to want to beat them down or anything. Right. So I think that's where that also kind of comes into play. And then keeping the emotions in check. Yeah. I mean, emotions well, are really what would make it an argument. Truthfully. Depending on what type of emotions come up, I guess. True that true that yeah yeah i mean and what kind of partner do you want do you want someone who's going to push you out of your comfort zone or someone who's going to keep you in your comfort zone i think you want both elaborate well you want that person to push your buttons so that you grow and you learn and you try new things and you develop yourself and you figure yourself out but you also want the comfort and safe zone that you know you have that person that you can do the things you like or that if you're having a bad day, you can go to and they can offer you some empathy or some understanding. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah that's a really great point. You want someone that's going to challenge you, but also someone that's going to be able to support you. I think it's because where's the challenge coming from, right? Like if someone is a parenting example, but, you know, if you got kids or something like that and someday and we have kids, so we think about this a lot, but, you know, you're not – the cheerleader of your child exclusively. Like you love your child so much. You love this person that you know when they're 
failing to meet their potential. So part of love is willing the good for the other, for the other's sake. So if you see that your child is not giving their best effort or they're not bringing everything to the table, what your job as a parent is to do is to help bring that out of them. And that can come in the form of appropriate criticism, um, encouragement, challenge, conflict. That can come, it can all come out of that. But you need to be, if you really love them, you would push them to be the best that they could be, but you would also be secure and love them as they are. And that's what the point of love is. And if, if you're in a relationship that's not doing that, where someone's constantly pushing you to be better or different, and they're not accepting you as you are on the same, on the same hand, that's where it can get, you know, abusive. And then vice versa, if you're too comforting and you just love and accept the person as they are, no matter what they do, they're a precious little flower, you're wrong and you don't love them. You love the idea of them. If you really love them, you would wish for them to be the best that they could be and you would encourage that in them. And that, that I think is universal for relationships as a parent, as a couple, as a friend even. You should mm -hmm. will the best in the other for their sake. Oh, Absolutely. Wow, that was so well said, Spencer. That was. Like, so well said. You're so eloqu eloquent with your words as I stumbled yeah, over Yeah, see, and I would make the same analogy, except I'd be like, you know, it's like when Vegeta and Trunks were talking in Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and Trunks said, oh, you're stronger than me. And he said, no, you're going to be better than me. That's the whole I, idea, I right? feel that. that. I feel that. We were Thanks. literally watching Dragon Ball Z this morning. Oh, man. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm watching Super again. I'm I'm rewatching the Tournament of Power. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's been a while since I've experienced that. We've got into a video game recently, but ooh, see, and that's one thing that we can't do. I would. I'm a. I I love playing video games. I mean, I got into it real hard, but I get really bad motion sickness just like in general watching. I can't even watch like, so one of Catelyn's favorite movies is Ready Player One. I've never been able to watch it because the first five minutes into it, I'm like dizzy, nauseous. I'm ready to throw up. Like I can't do it. It's, oh, poor it's terrible. I can help you with that. Vestibular stuff. <laughs> yes, please. Yes, one of my areas that I love to dabble in, well, it's one of my areas that I'm passionate in physiotherapy is Specialty. actually vestibular rehabilitation. And what you're so, describing is a lot of that. That's really interesting, Kay, because I have also had this thing before where like I'll be laying in bed, eyes closed, everything, and all of a sudden it'll just feel like I am completely like turned around. So it, I'll know what direction I'm facing, but it feels like I'm facing a completely different direction. And I've brought this up to people before and they've never been able to figure out what it is. Vestibular. That would be vestibular rehab, that, inner, that inner. whole area. Um, your inner ear, the taking the vision out as to the proprioception, the um, where you are in space, just every aspect of that. And then you add in like your ocular motor, your eye movements, different like saccadic versus your visual ocular reflex, added into more seeing what's on the screen. It's a lot of motion going on. People can get a lot of motion sickness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because yeah, it's like, a whole area. Even watching um, like 3D movies in the theater, right? Like I never, ever used to be able to go watch 3D movies because I would get sick every single mm -hmm. time. I'd walk out with a huge headache. I would barely be able to drive afterwards, like shouldn't be driving afterwards. So that's that's really interesting. I'm going to have to talk to you more about this. Yeah, so what does she have to do? <laughs> <laughs> How do we fix this? <laughs> well, there... It would be a, like a huge conversation. I mean, a lot of it is mm -hmm. history taking, but it's looking at your eye gaze, your ocular motor, how your eyes are moving, 
Um, it's well, looking even at your your neck, like how much range of motion you have in your neck. Really? It's all like we'll set you up with an down. appointment with Becky. She does online yes, as please. well, so you can do oh the my same gosh. stuff. Becky. Yeah. Yeah. We're doing this. We're, we're doing this. Fix me. Fix me. <clears throat> All right. We're going to get a little bit back on topic. Yeah. We sorry. Talked about... No, that's perfect. <laughs> that was great. That, that's fantastic. I mean, it, those are the things that I love most about doing this. Um, but we talked about parenting. We talked about now clinical diagnosis and stuff. I want to talk about ADHD. Let's do well, it. And I want to talk about ADHD and parenting and how that has been as... Welcome to the segue that I set up. Thanks, Deb. <laughs> how, how that's been for both of you. Um, I think ADHD has just been a huge blessing in every way. There's been no challenge whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Becky's face says otherwise. Holy smokes. Because <laughs> this is something that, I mean, I, I deal with and that we've had a couple conversations about. So I'm like, I, I'm really curious, especially in terms of parenting, because mm. I feel like my ADHD, not being a parent yet, but thinking about it would actually make me a pretty awesome dad. It almost, I could use it like a superpower almost. How do you feel? I have thoughts about that, but I think Becky should go first. No, 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 go, go ahead. Um, it's a bit of a pro and con situation. I think your instinct that it will make you a fun dad or a great dad, it's not far from the reality, but the whole picture of being a good dad is also a good husband, right? So Ooh. when it comes to, ba yeah, because your kids are looking at how you're treating mom, right? And that's a, a balance that you have to figure out as a parent. I think right, it's, it's a, not a separate relationship. It's a yeah, whole, like it's a, the whole family it's unit, a unit is a relationship. So when it comes to you being the fun one, which it is easier maybe because we're like less inhibited, we're spontaneous, we're like, screw it. Yeah, let's go get some ice cream, kids. Yeah, let's play around. Let's, let's do this. Let's wrestle in the living room. But it could also come through the abdication of responsibility. While the wife does the dishes and cleans up after dinner. Because the wife is, at least in my case, and perhaps it could be in your case as well, um, more predisposed to like have the state of the home taken care of. Like it's like their, their tolerance for chaos is less so. Mm -hmm. So like we'll clean the shit out of a house, right? Like we'll do great, but our threshold doesn't kick in until after theirs already has. So they're frustrated while they're waiting for ours to kick in. And yeah, so I would say like there's, there's a lot of balance for sure, but that's, the way to think about it is it's a it's a holistic picture when you're a parent and it's not just you with the kids uh, i mean there's an aspect to that but it's you with the kids with your relationship to your wife and vice versa because it all comes out in the wash that's my that's my sentiments at first what would you like and to say? i honestly think like with the adhd that it's come out more as a problem that we've had to face and kind of work with as We've had more children because I think it's just we've had less time. So then all those little things that are problems between us in dealing with that have gotten a lot larger as we've had less time to cope and figure it out. And would yeah. you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I'd say so, because it comes down to efficiency. So it's, I think, a fundamental thing that we've come to agree on and understand it's not a difference in who works harder. I work just as hard as my wife. The difference is effectiveness. So she can really focus. Oh, no, I would argue against that. Let's get into it. I'm going to say it's not effectiveness. <laughs> I'm going to say it's just different. We work differently. And the, the analogy I really like to use, like to explain it to people 
is, I mean, you take autism, you take ADHD, you take anything, mental health, anybody. There is no real typical, there is no norm. So if you take it like if you're looking at like different brands of cell phones, okay? I'm an iPhone. I have certain apps that work well for me. He's an Android. The same apps don't work. So us trying to use the same apps, it's never going to be effective. It's never going to work. So it's trying to figure out what apps work well for him, what apps work well for me, and then coming up with like a combination that works well for us, our family, our relationship, for everything. Yeah, but you get what I'm saying about the shared effort, right? Like we're both... Yes, you can we both, both have definitely... To, yeah. We have the same amount of increased effort, but it's on different things because we're different people and we operate differently. But it's not, I think the biggest challenge we've had with like being in a marriage and being <laughs> parents is not saying like, not calling the elephant in the room and being mad at that elephant. Like you have ADHD, like this sucks. I'm tired of dealing with your ADHD. It's not that because that's just a label. It's still him. It's still Spencer. It's still my husband. And it's trying to come up with those, okay, these are what your strengths are. Okay. These are your weaknesses. Well, these are my strengths and these are my weaknesses. How does this work better for us? Instead of like being fighting over something that's never going to change. It's, it's, it's funny. Earlier in our marriage, Spencer had this comment and it really pissed me off at the time. She loves And this. I've been bringing it up for probably 10 years. And this past year, it's like, <laughs> oh, crap, it's true. But he told me like probably one year into the marriage, we were having an argument or for something. And Spencer goes, yep, just accept it and be happy. <laughs> and you know what? <laughs> it's, it's honestly true. true. It's, it's right. honestly true. Like not not to the degree of that probably that conversation. No, yeah, not not as a. <laughs> but really, yeah. I have to accept him for him, accept his weaknesses, accept his strengths, and we have to find a compromise that works well for us because otherwise we'll just be butting heads for the next ten years. Yeah, and that won't be happy for anybody, and that will ultimately affect our kids. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, the, the point is, it's not like except if you got crap in your marriage or whatever, just accept it and be happy. But you you do have to fundamentally accept your partner as they are. And so what we 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 may have been arguing about was things that were outside of my disposition or like trying to mold me into something I wasn't. A good like, example like in us is um, we always try and be on the same page with like financial stuff. And, and, and this is a huge thing for a lot of couples is finances is like the one... Yeah, Every huge. lot of couples struggle with, they fight over, you argue with, I've been trying to get him involved with our finances and I'm a budgeter. Like I'm an Excel spreadsheet, everything's listed sort of person <laughs> by month. He's never going to be like that. So why do I keep trying to make him like that? It's never going to work for him. He's never going to show the same amount of interest, the same amount of just, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And there's that also I, that I'll have. Yeah, and it's also an efficiency issue as well is that Becky, she's naturally very organized. She has a high sensitivity for disorder and she's better with numbers. And it kind of like if she's fundamentally handling the finances, she's also doing it much faster than I would with far less frustration. What's important is that I jump in and get on the same page and she says, hey, like go buy any coffees this week, you know, like we're tight, like we got to be on the same page and we're still more or less hammering that out. We're getting better at it. Yeah, but at least now we have a better system. I do yeah. the budgeting. There's no point in getting mad at you over it because that's not your strong suit. You have strengths in other areas. But we find that little compromise where you can be involved enough that it works for us. 
Yeah, and that's the weakness because there's things that Becky's not so great at either that I compensate for really well, typically as a creative person. And yeah, if you're if you're gonna take the whole animal, like you got to take the whole animal, right? There is strengths and weaknesses, and that's about what I have to say about that. What about for you guys? Do you <laughs> yeah. have similar dynamic? I wonder because I see you're, a lot you're of like showing a lot of a facial expressions. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm an expressive person. You have a very expressive face. Yeah. Um, honestly, I would say that we have a pretty similar situation. Like I'm pretty organized. I have a very high discomfort level when it comes to disorganization and mess and anything like that. Like I handle most of our finances. I handle most of our budgeting. But you have so many other strong suits. Yeah. I mean, if it's a project, I can budget the crap out of it. Like, yeah. if it's work-related, I'll budget all day, every day, and I love it. But, but if <laughs> it's home-related, you're just like, it's no, like, I don't hey, care. <laughs> I got $22 left in the account. I can still afford a coffee. I'm good. <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah, I'm like, no, way. no, no. <laughs> exactly. I'm good. I get paid in three days. I'm solid. I made it. I survived, people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, we've got a more lackadaisical approach. Like, finances were... You you guys are more like do what you want when you want. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Well, I think maybe that part of that oh. nature is the spontaneity and yeah, and it's got to be kept in check, right? Cuz it can oh, be yeah. problematic and but so can too much structure, right? Like too much structure mm -hmm. can be and that's where you know, and it's we keep saying it, but the fundamental appreciation of the person's strengths as well as we uh respecting that they have weaknesses is so important. Because if you are just resenting your partner, and we've been there in our marriage where you're resenting the partner for not having this quality that you really want them to have, you're missing the point. You're not accepting them as they are. And if it, okay, if, because if it's something that they really do need to get better at, right, that's where it's like, you know, you want to help them get better at yeah, it. Yeah, you don't give up on them in that area. Yeah, you don't give up on it, right? Like if someone in a relationship struggles with social skills or something, and someone else is better at it. You're there's going to be coaching conversations. You're going to be working it out. You're going to be you're going to be figuring it. But the bottom line is you don't hold this resentment against the person because that's what eats up a marriage. That's what eats up a relationship is you let these resentments build. And uh, that is in part learning how to accept what is and be happy with it. Mm -hmm. I suck mm -hmm. at budgeting, but I'm great in bed. So there you go. You know, like just a perfect <laughs> perfect balance. You literally took my joke already. Oh, did I? <laughs> oh, man. Just huh. sip your perfectly warm coffee. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's fantastic. I mean, and, and that's that's truthfully what it is. I mean, for Kelly and I, we both have some of the same struggles and then completely separate struggles. And like, I mean, I've had some pretty rough days. You have. Yeah. Have. And I mean, like with you, a lot of our struggles come with the fact that we both have multiple different mental health disorders as well. So it's not mm. like we're just struggling with the fact that Catelyn has ADHD. It's ADHD, anxiety, depression, PTSD, like it's OCD. It's all of these different things that stack up on each other. So it's trying to find that happy balance between everything and not letting any of it cause any sort of resentment towards the other person. It's a little bit of a balancing act in our relationship, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And the calibration is like every human being has a tendency towards laziness or sloth, right? So the calibration, the part where you're fighting is, are you working at it? Are you, are you, I know you suck in some areas and you're good in others, but are you actually putting the effort in? 
Well, I would, I would kind of add more to that too. Like, I think it's all about your awareness level. You can't change. You can't grow. You can't get better. You can't accept your weaknesses. Like, you can't do anything without awareness. Awareness is huge for anything. And even like a lot of people just touch the surface. Like, even just years just going on and doing the same thing and living like, just living life. If you aren't actively searching increased awareness on yourself, like you're going to learn less. But it's it's that huge awareness piece. And I think that's been huge in our last year of marriage is like awareness, not only us as individuals, but us in our relationship. Yeah. And it's back to ADHD. I was diagnosed with that last year and I'm 30. So I, I had no idea. This was off my radar. But once you have a name to something, then... Yeah, you can attack it a little bit. And we're still we're still working it out, but Yeah, I think I've only been I think a year and a half, two years. Uh yeah, probably about a year and a half. Yeah. Close, close to two years, probably closer to a year and a half. Yeah, I mean it wasn't much more before you actually. So yeah. I mean we're still figuring it out too. I mean mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun though. <laughs> <laughs> so Becky, I want to know, are there things that you do differently to help cope with Spencer's ADHD? Because there's definitely things that I do differently or things that like I attack a little bit differently because of Catelyn's ADHD. Like what? What do you do um, differently for me? <laughs> I like honestly, it. He's so a lot of the things is like when we have conversations, you kind of have a tendency to jump from conversation to conversation to conversation yeah. and then circle back to the very first one. <laughs> so it's like, I'm always following like three or four different stories at once. And then I need to have the capacity to be able to circle back to that first one. Once he just wants to jump back into it. Cause you never know when that's going to happen. It's just, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah. I know cat to be like that. Me and him, we, there's a Marco Polo app that we both use with each other. And and you're there too sometimes, Killian. Yeah. Um, it's funny, like, he'll send me like a five minute message sometimes and it starts one spot. And then, yeah, it's like we go through like several different things and then he does come back. And so that's basically what I was saying was this, you know, like these, these six you things have, had nothing to do with the first yeah, thing. Yeah, you have like six or seven different side stories that have nothing to do with it, but then he's going to circle back to that one. So it's like having that capacity to know that he's going to do that and be able to pick up exactly where he left off. Hey, the best RPGs, when you do the storyline have side quests, okay? If you True. don't have side quests, it's just a boring, straight line story. Nobody yeah. likes that. Yeah, no, your stories are like here, over here, over here, over here, over here. Yeah. See, Spencer's a little flow. different that way in that like he's more hyper-focused on one topic. And he could talk about that topic for a half an hour and you're sitting there going, are we done yet? Are we done yet? <laughs> no, nope, yeah. still going, still going. Okay, I'm just going to nod. Show that I'm ent- enthusiastic. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, eye I'm contact, a... smile and nod. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I get so that he, too. he'll go on like the same topic for like a half an hour. Because again, like you described, like he likes to word process, process things out, verbalize things. That's his kind of... That's how I think. That's how he thinks. Um, I mean, techniques, I've definitely learned that if I really want him to focus on something and do something, you have to go up to him, eye contact, touch In is a huge one. Sorry. And look at him and then I say, hey... Can you take the garbage out later today? She needs eye contact. And nine times out of ten, the chances of it happening increase twofold. Really? That's really interesting. I might have to. Yeah. See, and I've noticed a lot with like eye contact and like we need to actually be physically looking at each other. If he's looking at his phone or anything, I know I don't have his full attention and I know he's not fully comprehending what it is that I'm saying. 
So, but touch, I haven't thought about incorporating that yet. That's a really good point. Well, even as me as a person, touch is kind of like a hard one. So like I- Yeah, you're not a very touchy person. Meanwhile, I'm like the polar opposite. Right, and Kelly requires at least one hug a day. At Um, least, at least least one hug a day. So we're actually in a relationship- I love the math on that. No, it's true. It worked really hard I, to figure that out. I one hug it. is what she means. <laughs> at minimum. Minimum at one minimum. hug a day. Yeah. One hug minimum, to keep okay. the happiness level, you know, to keep everything settled. So mm-hmm. we have actually, we have this part in our, our relationship where I told her, like, the second you say, I need a hug, I will drop everything and I will give you a hug. Because mm-hmm. I, I won't always remember to give her her daily quota of hugs. Well, because that's the thing. You're not yeah. a very, like, physical, touchy-feely person, and I am. And, like, that's part of that's part of my love language, right? Like, I just love that mm. that feeling, right? That kind of intimacy, I guess. And that's not one of your strong suits. So that's kind of something that at the beginning of our relationship, that's one thing that he did actually bring up is I'm not great at knowing when you need physical attention and when to give that to you. So if you just ask and just say like, Hey, can I have a hug? Hey, can you give me a kiss? Whatever. Like I'll drop everything that I'm doing and I will do that. Sometimes you just need to remind me. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. That's the communication at Mm -hmm. work. Yeah. And it's using your strengths and your weaknesses and finding a compromise. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, but accept it and be happy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I haven't thought of actually that's like incorporating the physical touch into it though. That's that's a great idea, oh. Becky. Um, this I just remembered actually that there's a good explanation for this regarding ADHD and why the touch is really effective to kind of get someone to pay attention because biologically, so ADHD it's not just a you know, thing that is behavior based, like, well, these people behave this way, therefore we're going to put them all in a pile. It's also biologically observable differences under fMRI regarding certain mental tasks. So one of the things that they've noticed is there's basically two methods of, mm, is it existence or like processing information in the brain? And one of them is called the default default mode neural network or something like that one one basically means default mode and one is like in the zone and everybody has these two modes and the default mode is basically kind of free association you're driving you know and you're thinking from thing to thing and it's kind of uh, it's this open space and then there's the zone which is you're in the studio working on a song and everything is getting devoted into this project those two states effectively exists for everybody. Biologically, people with ADHD, they show that this default network doesn't shut off very effectively whatsoever. Whereas in neurotypical individuals, they can go from one to the other, which with a much higher rate of clean separation. So if Becky's in the mode where she's like, um, she's organizing, she's really, really focused or something like that, she's not being distracted by a free wandering mindset at the same time. Whereas for ADHD people, because that default mode is not changing, it's always present. It's like you could be having a conversation with them, but they're free associating elsewhere. So they're not really here unless you really get them here. And that's why touch, it's like, it's a physical cue. Hey, like, are you here? And it can help them transition. So very often we could be stuck in our own heads, you know, like I'm working on a problem. I'm not out of working on that problem. 
like like these two modes basically just bleed into each other very uh, poorly with ADHD people. And bad news about that, it has reduced lifespan for that reason. People with ADHD have a much like a seven year reduced lifespan. It's like less, it's like more than cigarettes will do for more, most people. And part of that they're starting to surmise is because of all the extra energy that goes into your brain activity. Your brain's like double focusing when it should be just doing one thing and the other and switching between the two. So that's an interesting explanation for why ADHD people can kind of seem out of it, you know? No, and Which that's, why that's I took perfect. You out of the crib. <laughs> and we're back. Full circle. She got it. She got See, it. Just yeah. like my Marco yeah. Polos. <laughs> Side quest. <laughs> yeah. But honestly, like sensory, I mean, that's what you're doing. You're activating their sensory system. So, I mean, you're getting them to pay attention to the sensory system. So now you got visual, sensory, then you got auditory. So you're overloading their senses with you. So the chances of them actually hearing you increase. Hmm. Yeah, that's a really good Just explanation. I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm going to have to start implementing that, I think. Yeah. I have to try that out. Yeah, definitely. I mean... Yeah, you want to say something? Just go up and grab him by the balls. Just be like, listen. <laughs> <laughs> listen here, that, Catelyn. <laughs> that would get my attention real quick. Yeah, that would get your attention in a different way, though. Yeah. So, uh, it depends how aggressive you were. I could be I scared or... <laughs> I, I think another thing, like, me nervous. that... I like to explain to people because I look, I work in pediatrics as well, right? In physiotherapy. And we deal with a lot of like kids with autism and um, on different spectrums and that sort of thing. And the way I like, the description I like best is that everybody has certain cups, okay? And everybody has different levels of cups for different things. So for example, in using me auditory, my cup is a little smaller, like it's a shot glass. So once that cup gets full, everything else kind of goes downhill. So it's monitoring my different levels of cups. And making sure that I'm getting enough, but not overloaded so that the stuff in the cup is spilling over and I just can't do anything. I shut off. Yeah. And it's knowing that for you, but also for me, and seeing where you are with your cups and how they're doing. So Spencer like has Mike, a really high yeah. cup. Like, he needs a huge cup for, like, socialization. And if that cup's not full, he's not happy. He's more depressive. He's more just not himself. He needs that cup to a certain level. So, I mean, if I'm not in a social mood, cause I've talked all day long at my job, it's like, you know what? Why don't you just call your brother? Why don't you go play a video game? Why don't you go for a walk with the dog and talk to so-and-so on a text, whatever, like you need that socialization. I can't do it right now, but I know you need that. Go fill your cup up. Yeah. And I suspect Kelly for you as well, that you probably have, and just to guess, but you probably have less, of an auditory cup as well mm -hmm. compared to cat. Yeah. And why I'd say that is because you mentioned motion sickness and stuff like that. And yeah. people with vestibular issues that those kind of sensory information often you'll get overloaded much quicker. Um, yep. Yep. I do. So let me know if I'm wrong about that. No, you're 100% right. Like I know I am 100% more a visual person than an auditory person. And when it comes to socialization, I can only do so much before I am just burnt out and I can only take in so much before I'm burnt out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The cuppeth. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I've never ex had it explained like that, but that no, makes a lot either. of sense. That makes a lot of sense though. Yeah. yeah. I've never thought of it that way. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, you always, well, that's where that a lot of kids like, like, like it... your cup up first, right? 
Mm-hmm. But I mean, we we do that a lot for like kids because each kid is different, right? So each kid has different size cups for different things and each kid can have their cups overfill. And that's when they go into total like behavioral tantrums, uh, can't emotionally regulate. They just go off the wall. You can't control them. Well, Perhaps some of their cups are too full. Why don't you decrease the auditory in your house? Um, decrease a lot of the visual stuff. Reduce this. Add this. Like it's finding that right balance for the cups that each person has, right? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and tying it into relationships, you need to understand that everyone's got different cups, and you shouldn't be looking at your partner, at your spouse, to be filling all of your cups. Period. Mm-hmm. Because. No one single person can fill everyone's cup. And it's kind of wrong headed to think that, you know, that's that's like dependency issues. Yeah. Whereas, you know, my social like example, social, my social is not getting filled. If I was looking to Becky to always fill my social cup and keep me tip top, it would be like downright abusive how much I'd be trying to talk to her and get her to talk to me. <laughs> so I gotta outsource it somewhat, right? There's certain cups, right, that you gotta maintain exclusivity, like uh, in the romantic department, of course, but um, in the bedroom, in the in the bed, in the <laughs> yeah. bed those cups, the bed cups, yeah, All the good old bed but cups. I mean, <laughs> well, it's better than bed bugs. I'd take a bed cup any day. Yeah. I, yeah, I would, I'd like to do some cupping in bed. Oh, uh-huh. and we're derailed. Yeah. So what did we? What yeah. did we learn? <laughs> well, there's still one more thing I actually wanted to talk to you, Spencer, about. Um, have okay. you heard of something called music therapy? I have. In fact, it was uh, a few people have told me that that's something that I should get into. And I, my, my understanding of it is probably rudimentary, but I, I have awareness of it. Yeah. The funny part is, is you're already technically doing it. And I was actually curious if you knew you were doing it. So we kind of looked in, we did an episode on music and how like music, you know, affects your mental health. And we actually looked into something called music therapy. And what a lot of therapists will do is it is obviously extremely cathartic to write songs, especially about, you know, tough feelings or things you're trying to work through, Mm -hmm. which I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, that's been a lot of your songs. So in my opinion, (laughs) at least from what I've researched... Yeah, you've been doing music therapy for years. Technically. Yeah, I think that's a, it's, yeah, it's a self form of, like, part of me says self medicating or something. It's like uh, me processing things. Well, I'm a verbal processor, right? So does, doesn't it make sense that I do rap music as a way to like deal with heavy emotional issues? Because I'm literally verbally processing, um, putting into words, articulating, reformatting what I'm feeling or, what I'm trying to understand. And that has for years, yeah, been a form of sanity for me. It's been deeply connected to my sense of sanity. And what we've learned together um, is that I need to do that. That if I do not do that, I go way off the deep end. And I mean, in very serious ways, I will not be able to, I can't handle life in a normal sense without this outlet of music being able to express myself and we've kind of both grown in respect for the role it plays in my life. Yeah. It's definitely more a need versus a want. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, you know, at the start I'm just dabbling, I'm, I'm creative all the time, but I'm not taking it seriously. And so it seems like, well, you can just, you know, just, Focus on life, like get some shit done. It's a hobby. It's a hobby. Yeah, exactly. yeah but it's just it's a hobby. Not. You don't need to do it. 
Yeah, but apparently yeah, that's but not it, the but case. Yeah, but the truth is, the truth is like, yeah, I need I need to do it, and so I know I get so busy with my videography work and podcast and making social media stuff like everything that I'm doing. If it just sort of clicks in, like man, I haven't written anything in a few days. That's why I'm feeling anxious. That's why I'm feeling like I just I haven't been in that zone. Um, I will take the time to do it because you just need of, some therapy. Yeah, I guess self therapy, but it's. But so is listening to music, you know? Mm-hmm. So so is for me, like, I write the songs as, like, therapy, and then I can, like, listen to them later sometimes, and I can re-engage with and reinterpret and, and re-understand. It's not a word, but, you know, what I was going through, and it helps me process what I'm experiencing that day. Yeah, and, I mean, that makes perfect sense. And another part of music therapy is listening to music, but obviously I think one of the bigger parts is writing. And Well, it was writing, listening to music, and also playing music was another yeah. one too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, playing like actually, instruments. Yeah, playing which, an yeah. instrument, which, yeah. Yeah, less so for me for that one. Not to say I don't play. Like, I do play instruments, but they're more like hammers with which I compose. I use them yeah, to – Yeah, they're more like tools. Yeah, like – I mean, I love – playing it is a way to process but i'm like recording every time i'm doing it i'm like it's more like songwriting is my form of therapy and music playing happens to be part of that as opposed to there are other kinds of musicians who they're all about their instrument that's what they do like they're just they make love to their piano and that's what gets them through um me uh, maybe a bit less so but huh Right. I mean, (laughs) yeah. Um, And then I I guess this goes into the next part of the question is, I mean, you guys talked about, you know, working on your relationship over the last year, going through COVID sucked. I mean, in our opinion, I mean, we've only got two years of experience and one's been in COVID. So to Uh, us, the COVID year has been the hardest for us. Mm -hmm. Have you guys found it close to the same, like relationship wise and having, you know, all these struggles of COVID? You can answer first, honey. I don't know if I want to. <laughs> Why? Well, there, there's there's a reason I want to ask this because, and, and I'll ask the, the second part of the question too, because Spencer has put out, I think, more music in the last year than I've seen him put out in a long time. And he's been doing it back to back. Um, the amount of, and you guys have been working together more. He's been more creative. He's done more music therapy. Basically, I'm curious if COVID being harder on the relationship, which in my opinion, I think it would be, and how much creativity he's put into it and how much in, you know, music therapy he's been doing. Has that been balancing you guys out? Oh, yeah. Has that been a core? Is it a correlation? Like the more music that comes out of me, the more troubled my life probably is. (laughs) No, because isn't that for every artist? (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, I mean, that's a hard one to say because like... Our last year, like last year was the year, I'm going to say the year from hell for our marriage, for everything. Like we're, we're yeah. finally out the other side. Right. But last year, I think if you look at COVID as like one of the things, it was probably one of the s- smaller things of our year from hell last year. In a way, yeah. COVID provided opportunity for me for employment for instance which i had been a struggle at the start of the year i was driving bus part-time nothing against bus drivers but it's just not for me and i wanted to spend more time being creative and i was getting some freelance work but then because of covid 
I got really busy with freelance. I had to quit everything and I became a full-time videographer with my business. Yeah, so I mean, it gave you the opportunity for your business. But then it was the balancing act. Like I was pouring myself way too much into work and I wasn't having enough time for my own outlets. Um, I was stuck at home. Higher demand at home. leave, new baby. Yeah, it was just a tough one. Like it was, it was definitely a very tough year for us. And I mean, last year I put out not so much music. I mean, I dropped the Battle Angel project, but that was written the year prior sometime. I put out a single, like I think I put out two singles last year and an EP. And it was, so it wasn't a lot for me. And there was big gaps in between because I just wasn't making time for the art. And yeah, we were stuck in a very not good system. It was like I was just busting my ass off trying to you were trying to stay in a lot of jobs that you just couldn't stay in mentally physically yeah i was getting exhausted and so then i was kind of more uh like less myself and i wasn't doing what i needed to do to take care of my wife and vice versa and so we just kind of yeah had some bad juju going on for a while it was a huge growth year for both of us both of us individuals and as a relationship and we're finally i would say we're we've come out the other side there's still things yeah. that we're working on, but I think yeah. our awareness and our understanding between each other has yeah, increased and, quite a bit. And the music does was part of that for sure, because the year started off with, I just, something clicked in my brain and I went like, you know, this is what I'm passionate about. This is the thing I need to do to survive in a very literal sense in the world. Why don't I give it a fair shake? Um, and so I started working harder in the music and it's been better for my mental health. I've also, you know, I care less about what people think. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm ignoring the haters. I'm more focused on the, the positive that my work is doing. And I'm trying to write for the listener. I'm trying to be of service. You know, I, I'm more in touch with my purpose ultimately. And that bleed effect has been helpful in our marriage because Becky can see that, you know, like, you know, like if I have a really creative week, like I'm so much more present, like I can do so much more for you for the girls even, right? Like I'm mm -hmm. more a full human being when I get to be creative. And so that connection, I think, really clicked in after the year we had. Well, and just talks like we we sat down and we talked a lot more about like this isn't just a hobby. This is, well, how am I going to do this? How am I actually going to give this a good, honest try? Well, it's coming down to consistency. You look at social media, you look at anything, like you're basically trying to be heard. You're trying to be found. Like it's such a huge ball game trying to put yourself out there into this huge social arena that never existed 10, 15 years ago. And to do that, you need consistency. You need a consistent pre presence for people to follow and engage with. Like engagement has to be high. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah. if you're going to put the honest effort in, you need to be consistently putting out more stuff on a regular basis. So, I mean, that's been a discussion with us for a long time. Now it's finally like, it's kind of like the goal of the year is to be consistent. Yeah. It just clicked where... I mean, it's not that I don't consistently write, like I'm always making stuff. It was just, can anybody see that? Is my, am I really putting an effort into this career? And am I treating it like a proper investment, you know, to do something that I want to do with my life ultimately and be able to provide for my family? It's a huge lofty goal as a creative person, but it's, you know, it's more possible if you're consistent. I don't know if that answers the question, but. Oh, absolutely. I think it more yeah, than answers the I'd question. Say, and then some. Yeah. 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 There was a lot of filler in there. 
(laughs) (laughs) Said too much. No, never. But I mean, the other thing is I don't want to keep you guys too long either. I mean, that's pretty much all the questions I had. I mean, I talk to you on mostly like a weekly basis anyway. So, I mean, if I got any more questions, I'll just hit you up on Marco Polo. But how about you? (laughs) No, I mean, honestly, the main thing that I wanted to know about was like how ADHD has affected parenting styles, I guess. But we did kind of go through that a little bit. A little bit. So yeah, a little bit. I guess yeah. So like Spencer, as a dad, how do you find your ADHD has affected you? Is it like is it helpful as a parent with ADHD, or do you find it kind of hinders you a little bit, or somewhere in the middle maybe? Hmm. Let me think. I uh, I think that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Becky's got some thoughts Obviously, on it. Obviously, <laughs> Becky's smelling some burning over there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think overall, it's just, uh, it's one of the aspects of who I am. Mm-hmm. And can you help me articulate this? Do you know what I'm trying to say? It depends on the day. It depends on the day. Yeah, because like, you know, if I'm in the zone trying to do something creative and the demands of real life parenting are taking me away from that. It's really hard for me to keep my cool. It's yeah, really hard. You get become very um, short, short tempered, no patience, like that stuff will come out. And it's, yeah, it's because like I'm in, I'm in a different place, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're into that basically hyper-focus and it's hard to come out. Yeah. If I'm in hyper-focus, anything that's an obstacle to that, I become aggressively combative towards um sometimes for sure and that is something i've had to keep in check like i used to put a lot of holes in the walls and stuff like that um usually out of eyesight of my children but um i yeah i can be very physically aggressive with objects as a way to cope but i have since been doing a lot less of that because i think i have these outlets it's just about respecting time you know if, if I'm in the zone or something like that and Becky really needs help with something, she's got to come at it a little bit respectfully and be like, hey, you know, can you take a break from this so that this can happen? Um, like really being uh, gentle in pulling me out of it as opposed to like, what the hell is going on here? Like we got to get this done because then it's just going to escalate for me mm-hmm. as I'm already in a fight or flight kind of mode. Yeah, you need some increased it's like transition. A, yeah, it's like sometimes. a hunting instinct. As an AD, it's a good way to think about it as a hunter. Like ADHD is you are hunting. You're literally after a prey. And that is evolutionary, evolutionarily speaking, probably exactly what's happening. And I'm in here in the studio, um, you know, trying to get something done or trying to finish a project. It's as if I am in the woods, you know, with a bow and an arrow stalking silently against something that has the capacity to kill me. It's an incredible rush and then when your wife just jumps into the jungle and says hey by the way dishes got to get done and if you notice that the kid puked on the floor and you know whatever it is then it's like it's like your instinct is to be like shush shush i need to this has got to happen please like this is the thing and uh, it's just calibration really like it's her being more gentle and me also learning that when that you know, mistress or whatever does appear in the jungle with her friggin' apron on that I have to 
respect that, that I have to be like, okay, like what I'm hunting isn't that important right now. I've got to kind of stay away. Um, but it, it's challenging. Uh, yeah. Here's an example of us in the morning, like in terms of like challenging when you're looking at relationship and parenting. Our house is chaotic. We have three kids, six, four, and just over one, right? The morning can be chaotic. Everybody's trying to go everywhere. Our kids can be completely loud. Everybody's in our tiny little kitchen. And I have a really tiny cup for auditory, so it's probably overfilling. Spencer needs auditory to focus. So we've worked out this deal that he wears headphones in the kitchen, so chaos is happening. He wears headphones to listen to focus so that he can actually help make breakfast. So, I mean, it's coming up with little techniques that work for him, that work for us, that helps overall. Yeah, and just be respectful. I got headphones. I can't hear. But I'm cooking or something. Like, I'm doing something useful. But if she needs to talk to me, it's the, hey, you know, it's like the touch, right? Oh. And, res and okay. not getting annoyed at me. Because I have headphones on. Like, we've talked about it ahead of time. Um, and then I'll get through the chaos and I'll be like, okay, I need 30 minutes to myself. I'm going to have a bath. The kids are yours. And him being, I'm okay with that. Like, having that balance. My cup's full. I'm going. You're okay. Your turn with the kids. See, yeah. and that's funny. We've had that conversation. I mean, we're we're obviously getting married, so we want to start having kids. Um, and that's part of it. And we've had this conversation that, you know, we have to understand that, I got to understand that I know you're going to need breaks away from, you know, our mm -hmm. wonderful bundles of joy. So <laughs> we got to be on the same page on that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, you got to yin and yang. Everybody yeah. needs breaks as a parent. You got to tag team and then you want to do some things together. So you're not just tag teaming all the time for sure. Well, and then you come up with these systems that work for like you as a relationship. And I mean, this is what you guys are going to probably have to battle as you go on to have kids is that when you start adding other little people with different personalities and different brains and everything, trying to incorporate that's so what works good for them and they work good for you, like it's adding a whole nother realm of like trying to figure things out. And I think that's like what we're still kind of dealing with with the three kids. Oh, yeah. Because each kid is completely years. different. And you're trying to mold what works for you that will work for them, but it doesn't work for them. So then you got to figure something out, but it's not working for you and it's not working for you. And then you're, oh yeah, it could be, have fun, have fun. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, you're only a phone call away. And uh, as our friends, you're going to be getting the phone calls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I guess that that would be my answer is that there there is challenge. There There is definitely a challenge, but... Um, but I guess we, we have a better balance of like knowing when to step in and knowing this, when to step out. Yeah, right? that's the calibration. We, we learned that. I see trial. that he's kind of getting overboard. I can see he's going to get angry. I can see that he is like the cup's overflowing. He's going to be jumping ship. He's going to punch a hole in the wall. Okay, girls, let's go for ice cream and I'll take them. Right? Because I'm in the better headspace at the moment. Like it's that balancing mm -hmm. act. I know how he's reacting. I can see it. It's time. Or he'll do the same for me. Yeah, yeah, go have a bath. Go take 20 minutes to yourself. Yeah, and the reciprocal nature of it is why it works, you know, most of the times. Well, it's knowing what our needs and wants are. Yeah, right? and because, like, she's willing, she can see that I need help and she'll jump in. I remember that. I'm grateful for that, that I didn't have to deal with the whatever it was at the time. So when I'm feeling like my cup is runneth overflow, I'm able to direct it towards her. I'm able to help her out and... That's where the, that's where it's reciprocal. But I mean, just on a practical level, having your own space 
Like as an ADHD person, if you don't have a room where you can shut the door for where you're doing work, you're just, you're going to create so many chaotic situations. You need to be able to focus. Well, it's that self-care part, right? It's the self-care part. Yeah. So, I mean, if you've got a garage or something that you can hide in away from the family at times, or, you know, if you work from home, like I do, this is the studios in our garage space. It's a heated garage and I've built this into it way easier for me here than in the house where there's other stuff going on when I should be doing something else. So, um, yeah, it's helpful. Yeah. I mean, I even noticed that too. Working from home is really tough, especially with somebody who like, you know, a little noise will set me off and go on a completely different tangent than what I'm doing right then and there. And it's hard to focus and I'll be all over the place. And then, Oh, Hey, what was that? Oh, Hey, there's a dog over there. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's just, so, I mean, it's that's, just, yeah. Yeah, it's a struggle and it's something that, you know, I've had to learn to deal with. And yeah, obviously, yeah, one thing that I did when I worked from home when I had my own business is we got an office and it was cheap, but it was literally something just to get out of the house so I could focus on work. Yeah, I did that for a little while too for my commercial work and it's it's pretty good. But what you and, and it's funny now because what you can't see is like we're in this nice little studio, but this is actually the fun space. He actually has another little office just outside on the other side of the garage that has like no distractions, nothing. Like it's the workspace so that he actually has yeah. separate environments to do different things. Yeah, it's a it's a whole – it's also the exercise space. But this is – yeah, this is fun, creative. I like this room. It's and not going to suck my life and energy and yeah. creativity dry room. So that's some just some conditioning for sure. Like I work over there if I'm doing more of my paid work and stuff that's – maybe a bit more mentally monotonous for me. Uh, not to say it's not important, but I just, I'm able to stay in the zone there. And then when I come in this room, I'm like, okay, now this is me enjoying it. Cause I, I just can't do everything in the same room. Cause then I start to not mm -hmm. like the room. I'm yeah, exactly you need to change a scenery. Exactly yeah. the same. Yeah. I don't have my serious workspace set up here. Cause I've also lost my man cave. Cause we're down a TV. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, one of our TVs died shortly after we moved, and he was so happy that he was finally going to get to have his man cave, and I was so <laughs> excited for him, and he got the basement all set up, and he was so jacked about it, and then the upstairs TV died, so oh. there goes the man cave, there goes his whole little separate area. I felt so bad for you. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, it sucked. It does Well, you happen. got a nice, nice studio space there now where you guys yeah. are set up for a recording. Oh, well, it's uh, good from afar, but far from good. Yeah, what you, you guys can't see, like, the chaos and mess around us is driving me crazy that this area isn't set up yet. Yep. But it, it's fine. Just, Still lots more to do. Yep. Oh. Well, what was your biggest takeaway, <laughs> I would say, from this conversation? Um... Why are you asking me questions? This is our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's what you get when somebody also does yeah. their own podcast. Yeah, exactly. They use this, this takeover. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, this exactly. isn't creative insanity. <laughs> I mean, we could change the intro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We just switch it up. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I mean, my biggest takeaway, obviously, is that I think the last year has been, last year or two years has been a hard struggle for a lot of couples. And I love the fact that, you know, we've been together two years and we struggled really hard in the last year. You guys have been together a decade. You guys struggled hard in the last year. We've, we still come out better mm -hmm. and we're always improving. It doesn't matter whether you're a brand new relationship or an old relationship. And I mean, that's part of the honeymoon phase. And wise woman once told me the honeymoon doesn't have to end if you don't want it to. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that's what it is, learning new things and growing as a couple. Yeah, growing as individuals and also growing as a couple. Yeah, goes yep. to show that 10 years, you know, another eight years down the road, we can still be learning and doing new things. Yep, exactly. We can learn yeah, anything and, from you guys. Well, absolutely. And there's the ebb and flow, right? I think our second year of relationship was a tough one too. And then we had like good ones and you have a tough one and then you have good ones. And like it just mm-hmm. keeps grinding life. it out. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I can't wait That's for another good life. one. That'd be nice. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> We're on pace well for done. one, right? Well Please. Yeah. Oh, that was great. It's coming. Yeah. It's coming. Yeah. 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 Times have been. Yeah, the depression's coming hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, yeah, that's our biggest take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah. How about mm-hmm. you guys? Yeah. What's your takeaway? You guys have a takeaway? I think it was really nice to talk this stuff through in a public forum so that it was less likely to turn into an argument. Just yep. <laughs> totally, totally. There's video and, and voice yeah. yeah, evidence. There's no way, yeah, we can get away with No, this is this was helpful for us too because you know Don't we're speak not, for me. <laughs> it's, just, it's not the we're not the only ones in, we're not the only ones with similar dynamic, you know, in a relationship. And um even though we're in this together, it's kinda like we're all in this together. Everyone's trying to if they're sensible, they're trying to make the best life they can for themselves and their partner and their family and their, by extension, their community and everything else. So it's, it was nice to have a conversation away from the kids to think about some of these bigger questions that are very important to our relationship. Absolutely. That's not what I got. What do you got? (laughs) What do you got? Um, I, I would say that, but I think I'd, I'd probably add. Uh, I would shit say that. all over it first, and then <laughs> and then I'll you know agree what? with you. You're, you're not bad. Yeah. Um, but I would also like to say, like, it's interesting to be sitting here, the ten year marriage, versus you guys, like two years in, and like it's going to be really like I'm actually really excited to see excited to see you guys grow because it's just fascinating. Like we've had ten years of this and figuring things out together. And I find I'm drawing like a lot of similarities between you guys. Like mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see what life unfolds for you guys. Like in yeah. terms of just like, let's have this conversation again in a year and see where we're at. Oh, do you know totally. what I mean? Well, that's a, honestly, I, I would actually love to do that. Yeah. Cause that was one <laughs> see thing I noticed too. See how things kind of progress too, because like our relationships do sound very similar in the way that we handle things and our personalities and our strengths and weaknesses. So it's really, it's going to be interesting to see how, we progress compared to how you guys have progressed and vice versa. I'm just yeah, excited to get into the issues and then just be like, Becky, Spencer, what'd you guys do? Yeah, what'd you guys Fix do us. when you had this issue? <laughs> <laughs> when you were us, what did you do? <laughs> yeah, I just find it fascinating. It's kind of like looking at like a younger version of our relationship. Yeah, I guess. In a way. Except I'm older than Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> but Kelly's younger than me, right? I'm 30. Okay, so you're my age. Yeah, yeah, you guys are the same age. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Well, like a mirror, this Zoom program. Except weird, a right? mirror, it's 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 the same but opposite since there, there's so many things. Yeah. But yeah, lots of some similarities. Lots of similarities mm-hmm. for sure. For sure. But I mean, obviously, you know, we've we've talked about a lot of things. The one way we always end the podcast is why I love yous. So oh, really? 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if you knew this best friend Spencer, who uh, you know. We've I probably knew it and forgot that I knew it because I'm ADHD. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. So you weren't you weren't we... you weren't touching him. That was the problem. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Becky, can you give him a strong grab for me right now? Yeah. No strong. Lower. Like almost lower. Aggressive. <laughs> Not for me. Not yeah. for me. Uh, so yeah. One of our biggest things is ending our episodes on a why I love you. I mean, we do it all the time. It's your guys' turn. So you guys have to look at each other and give a very specific reason to why you love the other person. And it could be quirky. It could be serious. It could be nothing. Yeah, it could be funny. It could be just a little thing that they happen to do that day. Whatever you want. I would say fundamentally a lot of things in my relationship and why I, our relationship, why I appreciate you, why I love you. Um, It all comes down to dad ass um i've been thinking a lot about it lately and the role that it's played in my life has been monumental um it's you know it's a source of stability for me sometimes physically um uh, but yeah it's it's i i appreciate the work you put into dad ass and it's been doing a lot for me so thank you I don't know if I can compete with that. I would go sentimental if yeah. I were you and just, I was really gonna just say, shove it in. You, you said we could be serious, right? Like, that's okay. That ass. That ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why do I? I can't even. Oh, my goodness. You got me distracted. Now I'm just. Spot. Um, hmm. I'd probably say I'd love you just because you are my yin to my yang. And I don't think I would have said that a year ago. I think I probably would have strangled you a year ago. Yeah, you'd have been like, <laughs> you're like the foil to my character is what you would have said last year. No, I probably just so would have strangled you and not said anything. But <laughs> Yeah, we know you're a writer. Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I definitely think like as we've kind of gone along this path that the more I like our differences. What? Like, yeah, I'm not going to, they're not sometimes the greatest and they could be completely frustrated. But I think at the end of the day, I think they work well together. That is I awesome. I love how you challenge me. Wow. Oh, she caught. just destroyed you. She destroyed you. <laughs> there isn't a competition. There's no rating it's okay. scale, but she destroyed yeah, you. She My did, drop. but I'll destroy dead ass later. <laughs> <laughs> So oh, if you want to search great. up Spencer or Servant, how can they find you, Spencer? Um, for my stuff, you can go to Servant.com, which is spelled S-R-V-E-N-T.com. I am on uh, Twitter, barely. I'm on Facebook and Instagram, much more substantially, and TikTok as well. And YouTube, I put out a lot of music videos, and I have a podcast called Creative Insanity, where I talk to creative hyper creatives or people relevant to the creative fields about how they stay sane and other creative topics uh to an audience of creative people and um yeah there's like 20 some music videos out there that people can check out that's a bit about me and my wife I'm assuming you don't need to be like, yo, hit me up on Facebook, yo, give me those follows, like, comment, subscribe. Yeah. Well, she has a business as a physio, so if you need physio help. Yeah, especially, well, I mean, we're going to obviously be doing that because um, oh, Kelly needs it bad. Yeah, apparently. But yeah, 
<laughs> Give us the name at least. Let us know where to find you. So my business is called Prohab Therapy Care. So you can find me on the interwebs. So if you just do prohabtherapycare.com, you will find my business. And I typically practice just in Alberta because that's what I'm regulated for. Uh, all over virtually as well as in person. So yeah. Virtual physio. I never thought. Yeah. Oh, I... Becky, you and I are going to be chatting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're going to be best friends. Yeah. <laughs> I can see it already. Well, I mean, obviously, I, if you guys are listening still or if you've tuned out, I don't blame you. But you know where to find you. us. Uh, How the number two love me podcast on Facebook, Instagram and, and at gmail.com. Gmail we're good at this. <laughs> it's almost like we've done it before. <laughs> but with that, I think we're going to end the episode here, guys. Becky Spencer, thank you so much for coming on here. Yeah, we it was really a blast, appreciate guys. it. No, this we is great. Thank you for having us. us. Anytime. Yeah, this was nice. We're going to have to do it again in a year and mm-hmm. figure it out from there. Yeah, we'll yeah. do a progress check in with you guys. <laughs> the Twilight Imperium before then. Absolutely. I, that's coming up soon. Honey, um, I need a weekend off. Thank you.